Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future, part two, one cheap shot minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm a commander of the moon. And joining us this week, or today, uh, for the last the last day of the first week of, all, of Minute Family All-Star Week is Darren from As If, the Clueless Minute podcast. Welcome, Darren. Hello. Uh, today we are going back to minute 90, which starts with, uh, Marty getting, uh, or Biff stealing back the almanac out of, uh, Marty's pocket and ends with Marty opening the DeLorean door and looking down. Um, so right off the bat, uh, Biff realizing that Marty has stolen the almanac from him, takes it back and, uh, Kicks a man when he's down. Yeah, in true tan and fashion. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's not a great person, this guy. But you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's funny. He uh, he is. I would say between yesterday's minute and today's minute, and we'll see as this sequence goes along. I almost feel like this is the least cartoony we've ever seen, Biff. Yeah, I was going to say he's he's very uh, unhinged and very uh, he's like a little more Heath Ledger Joker than Jared Leto Joker. Like there's no there's no uh, there's no humor to it. And I, I kind of dig it. I kind of dig the uh, it kind of elevates the stakes. It does just yeah, in time. He's <laughs> he's, he's like um, I mean, obviously, having just watched this minute in isolation. He he doesn't seem concerned about what the almanac is. He just grabs it because it's his stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he's kicking Marty and then, you know, he kicks him a second time. Does he say, this is for my car? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, which is, you know, makes sense because there's been a lot of, in the in these first two films, there's been a lot of stuff about, you know, Biff's car the whole manure thing, mm-hmm. you know, so I can understand How the repairs obviously were. he's the only one who can start that car. So I understand the affection he has for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's very serious in this, in this minute. Mm-hmm. He's also making absolutely no reference to the fact that, you know, Darren, you watch this minute in isolation. So you may not know that the reason Marty's on the ground is because he has knocked himself out. Uh, as he was standing next to a swinging door that he, he from the first movie burst open, burst his way through and, and knocked himself to the ground. Yeah. Like what does Biff think happened? Yeah. Biff Biff is making no reference to the fact that he just saw another Marty. Oh my God. Oh my God. Holy shit. Holy shit. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even in a world where, he has met his older or not even he doesn't even know that was his older self. He thinks that's like a distant relative. So, yeah, that that's very strange that he could could give less of a shit about seeing two Calvin Kleins. Right. It's uh, it's a really bizarre moment. But I guess I guess you could say he gets distracted by the almanac um, by seeing the almanac in his jacket. But uh, even that, I feel like you'd kick him twice and then just be like. Who was that? Like, yeah. and also, did, I, did Beta Marty not notice Biff? I don't know. That's a good question too. Like, I'm you know when you when someone else is in the room with you, even if you're 
kind of in a hurry, I think your 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 brain and your peripheral vision is able to be like, oh, that's that's this person, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, it's it just kind of it's this it's a weird after effect to a really great joke. Yeah. Just uh moving right along. Moving right along. Um but yeah, Biff, uh, I, I, I think Darren's right in pointing out that Biff is more concerned with the fact that the, the almanac is his stuff than he is with the almanac. Because as soon as he gets in his car, he just tosses it in the back. Yeah, Who cares? Yeah, it. <laughs> Whatever. This piece of junk. Oh, the like, things <laughs> that have been in the back of Biff's car today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's quite casual about it. He just tosses it to the side and, and just like... Off he drives. Yeah, off right. he goes. Pro, pro, you know, so and, and I don't know. I don't know how many convertibles you guys have driven in before, but convertibles are the type of thing that is really cool in theory, and it looks cool like in movies and stuff. But actually sitting in a convertible and driving in a convertible is one of the most hellish experiences because uh, you just you can't talk. There's just wind blow. It's like it's like standing in a wind tunnel. Uh, I was going to say many years ago, my uh, my dad used to have a convertible, um, and obviously here in um, England, having a convertible is less than an ideal um, <laughs> yeah. car like choice. And yeah, once the top was down, even on the warmest day, if you reach any kind of speed, it is freezing bloody cold in the back of those things. And yeah, oh it, yeah, they they look cool. They uh, they are best you know parked if you if you stay if you're just sitting in them um, you know maybe chatting with some friends chatting with your gang um, maybe that's cool but driving in them no not a pleasant experience no not at all and and I also say uh, you know when you're back there you kind of have to make sure that there's nothing loose because. The wind is 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 flying is like is like pushing everything in that car out of that car. And so the idea of just throwing this almanac in the back of a convertible is absolute madness to me. I don't know if I've ever driven or been in a convertible. I've been in um my uh my sister slash husband uh Hunter in high school, we uh, he had a, he drove an Audi. And that had like a top-down function, and I remember that was really cool. Did, is it, does an Audi count as a convertible? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, if the top goes down, it's a convertible. Okay, that was pretty cool. Yeah. You think for as many Fast and Furious movies as I've seen, I know more about cars. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so we have this very pained sequence in which Marty tries to. Uh, clutch his stomach while simultaneously catching up with Biff's car um, and then gives up and starts running toward the roof. And it was at this point that I started to wonder where exactly they shot this sequence because my I knew that in the first film, Hill Valley High was Whittier Union High School mm-hmm. uh, in in. Uh, California, but I had always believed that that was just the front of the school and that the rest of it, I don't know if they were sets or what they were, but it didn't, it never seemed like the front of the school matched 
what we're seeing here with the rest of the school. I've, I've always felt like the rest of the school, this backside of the school, looked closer to Torrance High School, which is where they shot Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Um, Famous. Yeah. Uh, right. Location. And I looked it up and it says that it was shot. It was all shot at Whittier Union High School. But I just don't believe it because there's no there's a lot of um, like that. that sort of very California, Florida uh, architecture of the tiled roofs. Sure. There's a lot of that going on. And that is not at Whittier High School, Whittier mm-hmm. Union. So. I, I don't I don't know I couldn't find if there was at any point that they were shooting at Torrance High School or if uh, some of this was just done on a back lot or or a set or whatever um, I just I couldn't figure it out but it does it does not match with the rest of the uh, the rest of the school I'm my instincts tell me that this isn't a set it really does look like a location mm-hmm. um, you know maybe what the I- roof I could see I could picture the roof being a set. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that 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 shot of that's that really gorgeous one shot of like Biff driving away while Marty runs up the roof. It really it really does look like uh, like the exterior of a, of a location. Yeah. Um, you know what it kind of reminds me of? And, and it's funny that, you know, on the subject of famous Los Angeles high schools, um, it reminds me a lot of the high school from Brick. Oh, that that's true, too. Where I wonder where they shot that. I think like. I think like in, uh, I don't know. That's boy. Oh God. Now I'm just thinking about brick. Uh, yeah. Movie, that movie ruled my freshman year of high school. I, I, I'm sure I've listened to the commentary on brick mm-hmm. and they went into detail about where it was shot, but I can't for the life of me remember where that was. Yeah. I don't even know if that was California or not. I bet it was. I'm going to look this up real quick. It probably was. Um, <laughs> most likely. Uh, yeah, so, so Marty meets up with Doc on the roof and I love the detail. I I love that Christopher Lloyd always finds something to be doing. You know, you never, you never come into a shot, into a scene and Doc is just like standing there. Yeah. It's like, it's like, he's almost (laughs) like a mom. Like every time you walk in on your mom, she's always like, or my mom, she's always folding something or cleaning something or, you know, just, just, just kind of futzing around the house. Right. Um, yeah. And so you, you have him winding up uh, those flags that he, that the DeLorean got caught on um, that will come into play yeah. uh, later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and it's, and then uh, Marty says, you know, Biff, Biff got a shot on uh, off on me and he stole the almanac back. And I have never seen, I have only seen Doc more distraught than this moment, maybe two other times in the movies, which is the revelation of 1.21 gigawatts being needed to send him <laughs> back in time. And uh, and the moment that he yanks on the plug on the clock tower and unplugs it from the. Uh, oh, see, I was going to say uh, also in that maybe maybe like in the top three is when uh, that 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 little toy DeLorean catches fire and runs. off. Oh, the yeah, that too. You're right. So this is like number four, but he is very, very distraught by this news. One little uh, detail I really love about this interaction uh, that kind of really hits home to me and and kind of my relationship with you, Scott, is I, <laughs> I, I, I love that Doc wastes no time in getting mad at Marty. 
Well, and and that's just that's just it, right? Because because you know I referenced the 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 fact that um, the scene in the first film when he yanks on the plug and accidentally unplugs it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from under the tree. And in that moment, if you remember, we talked about how he caused the problem. He, the the problem happened. He realized it was a problem, and then was like, "Okay, time to get to work." And, you know, we just learned that Doc works really well under pressure. Yeah, you know, he, he's a cool head, you know, despite all of his all of his neuroses, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and it just kind of reminds me of working with you and kind of like how if one of us messes up or if there's like a technical issue, we're kind of past the point of like, you dummy, you know, it's just like, yeah. okay, well, we screwed up. Let's keep going. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what were you going to say, Darren? I mean, maybe this explains why whenever um, the Doc and Marty go back in time to a specific, a specific time, they always go like a couple of days before something because, the, you know, Doc just needs that pressure of of getting something done in the next couple of days. If they went back like a year before and did it at a leisurely pace, he probably wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. Doc Doc yeah. seems like the kind of guy that, that would need a deadline, no matter what field of work he's in, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, um, it's okay to answer to answer your question before we keep going. Uh, Brick was shot in Ryan Johnson's hometown of San Clemente, California, uh, on location at San Clemente High School, where he, oh, okay, where he attended. Oh, very interesting. All right, that's cool. Um, so then we cut to uh, the DMC uh, coming into the shot above uh, Biff's convertible. And the first thing that came to my mind, and this is something that I've never, ever, ever really thought of. How the hell does Doc know where he's going? He can't look down. <laughs> I get, I Maybe mean, the location of the school is away from town. So I guess they they know he's going to town. He's not going to well, hang around the school. Well, I just well, I specifically mean. Home? I specifically mean looking down. Like he can't look down. He's in a car. Cars aren't made to look down. And so <laughs> how does he know that he's above Biff's car? He, he, he like that is I, there's got to be some sort of like maybe Marty will will open the door from time to time and peek down and maybe and maybe maybe Doc's using like his headlights once they spot the car. You know, Marty's like, I found the car. And then and Doc's like, I'll use his headlights as a measure or well, something. They, well, they can't. They, they're not using headlights. They've got their headlights off because they're trying to stay incognito. Oh, I meant Biff's headlights. Like, oh, like, Biff's headlights. Like he can okay. see, he can maybe see those. If he's on, the only car on the road. Okay. From a fair. distance, I think he'd be easy to see, wouldn't he? Yeah, I guess that that's that's not bad. Okay. Okay. I, I feel mean, also, like. Oh, go ahead. They're above him because it's a really cool shot. That's why they're That's, above him. Yeah, I mean, fair. <laughs> fair point. I, I love the added detail. This is a beautiful model shot. I mean, it's just so, it looks so great. So that's why they're above him, really. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a great uh, helicopter shot. And they're, the helicopter's obviously just shooting over, like basically just shooting almost B-roll of Biff's car just like driving along the road and then they add the model shot in later but what i like as an added detail and this is just this is this is um the sort of lived in kind of detail that that really great model uh you know people who work in models do model work uh do which is that it's it's weaving around trees um which 
it wouldn't need to do because it's not real. But they make it so that it's doing that so it really feels like it's part of what's going on. You know, it's the same it's the same sort of uh, reasoning that behind in Roger Rabbit. They made sure that the whatever the lighting was in the scene, they would match it on the drawings um, so that yeah. when they would move a light around in a scene, the the shadows would be cast differently on Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Or like or like when Roger slams uh, like a like a bottle of whiskey on the table, the things on RK Maroon's desk will like shake, you know? Right. Right. And just little details yeah. that you don't even really know that you're noticing your brain is subconscious. It just makes it seem it it it, it it's it, it augments the illusion. Yeah, movie magic. Movie magic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love models. I yeah. The I mean the model work is this is this is some great model work. Uh, yeah, a plus stuff. Um, so so Darren, uh, we've only ever had one other person, I believe, just Naomi last season, I think. Um, from across the pond. And so I'm very interested to know when you first saw Back to the Future um, or, or and and the sequels for that matter, but but uh, just in general for the for the trilogy um, and also what your sort of reaction w- was to it, uh, you know, with it being so sort of uh, heavy on Americana, you know, with the 50s being it's like it's all 50s and Westerns, you know, so it's. It's too. It's too very specifically American things. So it's. It, I'm. I'm interested to to hear what sort of the reaction to it was uh, overseas. Um, do you know, I don't think I ever really considered uh, the Americanness of the film. I guess having seen it, you know, having seen the first film. Um, at quite a young age, um, I just enjoyed the film for the film, and I never really thought to myself, "Oh, this is like really kind of like nineteen fifties America or anything like that." I think because we have like quite a shared culture mm-hmm. in terms of kind of like you know, uh, I guess like rock and roll and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and isolation. Yeah, Mister Sandman was a hit over here, so. <laughs> Okay. Like it's not like a total unknown, um, but yeah, it's and the third film. Obviously, you know, westerns have kind of been out of fashion for such a long time that I think just the novelty of seeing Hill Valley like a hundred years earlier Mm -hmm. was kind of like the 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 draw. That was kind of like what I enjoyed about it, rather than. Like the Western tropes, which I'm, you know, now as an adult, I fully recognize. But when I saw Back to the Future Part 3, like at, at the cinema, um, what, 26 years ago or something now, mm-hmm. I don't think I was really concerned with it being like an homage to um, like John Ford or whatever. <laughs> I think I was just enjoying the idea of seeing Hill Valley a hundred years earlier, you know, seeing the clock tower being made. All that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, I can't give you any insight into the reaction of like the use of Americana in this trilogy because I don't think it was anything that I ever really thought of. I just really enjoyed like Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd 
and you know Thomas F. Wilson, like that. You know that was what I was there for, rather than any kind of um, references to America. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I mean that's 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 certainly fair. Um, <laughs> so so what is uh, what 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 is sort of your uh, is it is it one of those things where Back to the Future has just sort of always been been there? Um, you know, I, cause I know, you know, obviously you're from, you're from as if, uh, the, the clueless podcast that we guested on. And, uh, you know, we, we, you said on that show that you're a huge fan of like the teen, uh, like sort of high school comedy genre. Um, and so I'm just what, like from that perspective, sort of where do you come at this movie? I mean, I was trying to remember, like, obviously having listened to you ask people about, like, their experience seeing the other, like, seeing the films, I I distinctly remember, like, the the circumstances under which I saw each of these films in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the first one on a coach trip to France. Um, uh, and it, I remember just watching it kind of like you know, 10 rows back on a coach on a very small TV screen on VHS um, <laughs> more than once because it was a 36 hour trip in each direction. Um, and, you know, the coach driver only had like a, f- a few uh, films like on the coach. And I just remember seeing it. And I don't think I ever like in the first few times I saw it, I don't think which were all on that trip. I don't think I really kind of understood the plot totally because obviously I could barely hear it and I could kind of just make out what was happening. Um, but it's weird that you mentioned that it's like a teen movie because it never really occurs to me that Michael J. Fox is playing like a, a teen. Although obviously it's so heavily, you know, all the stuff with his parents and obviously the premise of, I mean, I don't need to tell you, but, you know, uh, is it Bob <laughs> Gale or Robert Zemeckis? Which one was like, would I have been friends with my dad in high school? Right, Bob Gale, yeah. Um, and and so, like, I think that idea, you know, it, it is, like, deeply rooted in the high school. But like you say, because it's so covered in this kind of, like, 1950s Americana thing, it doesn't really feel like a high school film in the same way that something like Clueless feels like a high school film because it's not really about the kind of, the kind of social mores of being in high school. It's about a kid trying to get his parents together, which is you know, such a kind of odd premise for any uh, film set in a high school, basically um, trying to create your own birth. Right. And it, uh, it kind of has the benefit sort of like, uh, like happy days does where by being about the past, it sort of uh, is, it was able to escape being dated because it, it, you know, the, the fifties are now just getting more and more far away and just as of a interesting and far off premise. And, you know, whereas movies like teen wolf or, you know, uh, better off dead, uh, it kind of is like, Oh, the eighties, but I, back to the future has kind of uh, superseded that in a really cool way. Right. And, and being yeah. about, and being about time travel, all of the, uh, over the top sort of 80, 80s-ness of it all, you know, it, it because it's about time travel, 
that part of it doesn't feel dated because it's all dated in a way. Yeah, like 1985 is yeah. just as much of a character as 1955. Right, right. Um, yeah. Well, uh, well, cool. Uh, Do you know, I want to tell you something strange about the way that I saw this film, this okay. being Back to the Future Part 2. Uh-huh. And that is, I, I watched it at a friend's house. And I had to go home before I saw the last 20 minutes of it. Um, and so this part that we've covered today, I didn't see for years, like years later when it was on like TV. And I'd seen Back to the Future Part 3 at the cinema, having not seen the last 20 minutes of Part 2. <laughs> so, you know, I just kind of put it together in my head. Oh, they went back to the past and, you know... For me, like the the last kind of twenty minutes of this film were like, um, I don't know, like some kind of crazy, uh, like thing that I had to just kind of create in my own mind to kind of join the two films together, and it took like a while before I actually managed to see them and kind of <laughs> uh, realize that maybe they were a bit less than what I had thought in my head. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's definitely uh, that's definitely a fair assessment and something that we've talked a lot about uh, over the course of uh, covering this movie. Yeah, it's funny when you when you're yeah. asked to fill in the blanks of a story that almost becomes more big than than the actual story. It's like I remember uh, when Game of Thrones first started and the books were, you know, book fans were five books ahead of me because i was watching the show the whole story felt so epic and big and deep and now that we've surpassed the the book narrative i'm like oh so this is okay i i you know the the i i can i can see the whole plate you know right and it, it's interesting how something can feel more epic when you don't really understand the 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 breadth the full length of it oh yeah yeah sure um, so, so Darren, uh, I mean, we've, we've plugged it, uh, in the past, but, um, you know, tell, tell, tell people about as if you're, you're reaching the end, much like we are of this movie. I think you're a little closer to the end than we are. Um, but, uh, tell them about that. And then you yes. said something about having a new podcast, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, as if finishes, uh, next Friday, um, as, as of, as of, um this this friday um uh from the from from next monday i will be the host one, once more as as we go into the credits of clueless mm. um which are only 5 minutes long thank goodness and um at the same time as this episode has has gone up um i'm i've i've started a um arrested development rewatch podcast called i've made a huge mistake and episode two would have gone out yesterday, um, and episode three will go out on Monday, the the same week that the final week of As If goes up. Um, so I'm going to be watching at least the 53 original episodes of Arrested Development, and I've got a number of different people lined up as, as guests to join me, and that will basically keep me kind of busy for the next six months. Um, and then at that point, I'll consider whether or not I cover season four. <laughs> okay. Um, so. All right. Very cool. Uh, and, and where can people find uh, all these shows? Um, do you know what? For all the different, cause obviously I've done more than one minute by minute. 
uh, podcast. Um, but all of them can be found at um, uh, Movies by Minutes? Minutes by Movies, whichever one it is. Um, <laughs> movies, <laughs> movies, movies by Minutes. Movies by Minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've made a huge mistake. You can find on iTunes if you search for I've made a huge mistake. You can't miss it. It's got some uh, bright orange um, cover art. All right. Well, very cool. Thanks for uh, joining us for this minute, Darren. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's to a great week of from our minute brothers and sister. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we will be uh, we will be back next week for another week of uh, our second week of Minute Family All Star Week. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, you can go to our website, DuelingGenre.com, where you can find post to this episode and and all of the posts to all of our past episodes and leave comments i see uh, a few people have started commenting on older episodes because they've just found the show uh and that's been a lot of fun to to see people uh discovering us on the first on the first <laughs> the first movie and leaving comments with absolutely no context whatsoever and i have no idea what they're talking about but it's fun to read um and <laughs> we recorded that a year ago. It's yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like hearing about something funny you said at the bar six months ago, and you're like, Dude, that was <laughs> yeah, that was five yeah. years ago. I don't remember. Uh, you can also email us uh, contact at Back to the Future Minute dot com. Uh, we're on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, we have a Facebook group called the Back to the Future Minute Listener Preservation Society, where uh, we have lots of people posting things, starting to liven up over there. It's uh, it's good, so go check that out. Um, on iTunes, if you want to leave a review, that will help us out a lot. And of course, you can check out our other podcast, The Doctor's Companion, our Doctor Who podcast that we do with Cassandra Fredrickson, and Geek by Night, our original audio drama. Uh, about uh, five geeky friends who be- get superpowers. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's a fun get show. Friends. Yeah. So go check that out. And uh, while you're checking things out, go to duelinggenre.com slash support and check out our Patreon page, where every weekend we post an episode of Back to the Future Minute, No Roads Edition, our Patreon-exclusive weekend edition of this show, uh, and, uh, if you want to do that, you just need to, su- if you want to get access to that, you just need to support us on Patreon at the $5 a month level or higher. And, uh, speaking of Patreon supporters, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.